0: You're listening to Sweet and Sour. I'm Hope Go. I'm Jane Lee. We are talking about women's issues, breaking barriers, and tackling taboos. Let's get chatting. Jane, mm, you're Hope. you're a mom. I am, and I'm a mother. It's
1: very perceptive of you. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> I I think my children appreciate that comment, but. As a working mother, what do you think the hardest job in the world is? Because I think as a working mother, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. All that matters is that you are expected to perform at every level, and it doesn't matter who you are. Mm -hmm. You could be Beyonce. You could be Rihanna. You could be Melinda Gates. You could be Michelle
1: Obama. The struggle is really universal for every working mom. And I can think of the example of um, local politicians because there are the ones that are more willing to talk about this in the open. And like Taichung Mayor Lu Xiu-Yin, she has said during her 20 years of political career, she has been asked this question over and over again. How do you balance family and work? How do you balance your job with with, uh, taking care of the private part of your life? And she said that probably men wouldn't be asked so many times about this kind of question. and she said she needs she always felt that she needed to work harder to maintain good family relationship and of course to do a good job on, in her position as well. And so for women usually they need to try harder to seek this balance between work and family.
0: It's almost like we were set up to fail isn't it really um, Does it a lot feel like of
1: that? a lot of women succeed as well if you have if you can be re, more relaxed and have more well as as our guest speaker would say if you have more confidence in what you are doing then probably would you would feel secure enough about yourself
0: okay so jane mentions our guest and we were very honored to have as our first guest Siobhan McGrath who sits on the bench and is a judge in Great Britain She was recently in Taipei to visit her son who lives and works here and we were very lucky, as I said, to have her come into the ICRT studios where she shared her experiences about being a mother and holding down a career, first as a barrister and then as a judge specializing in property law.
2: I think most people think, oh, we will have a baby and the baby will go in the cradle and everybody will be happy and easy. I think I realized within about... 48 hours that I had entered the state of bonded slavery. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's 36 years ago, and I remain in a state of bonded slavery. <laughs>
0: but you were already a judge at the time, if I'm not mistaken?
2: No, I was a barrister, so I'm from the United Kingdom, and there the system is that you qualify as a lawyer first, and become a judge after a few years of practice. So, by then I had been a barrister. They're the people who stand up and do the advocacy in court. I'd been a barrister then for about five years, and I continued to be a barrister until I was 39, 40, so that's another 12, 13 years, and then I became a judge.
1: So a barrister would be
2: like a lawyer in in the States? Um, Yes, the ones who, who speak. So in England, you have solicitors who do transactional work and quite a lot of the preparation for litigation, for contested work. Mm. Um, And the barristers tend to advise on difficult points of law and stand up in the court and make the case for the client. It's really good fun.
0: What was that like, what was that like? And I know you make it sound like a lot of fun, but what was that like having to deal with a baby and having to be a
2: barrister at the same time? I think, uh, and I decided this quite quickly, as well, and it's part of my philosophy in life, you have to be very, very sure of yourself. If you are sure of yourself and content in yourself, then you don't think, well, I have to do the balancing. What you have to do is what is best for yourself and for the baby. So when you are a young mother, lots of people will give you advice and you will see career women who have full-time nannies and you'll see single mothers, and they are struggling. And you think to yourself, oh, oh, I've got to emulate all of these people. It doesn't work. With your children, you have to find what works for your little unit. And my unit became quite big because I had another three after that. <laughs> you, you didn't had, learn the
0: first time. I didn't know.
2: <laughs> I'm a very slow learner. <laughs> but but I think it is really important for women to understand that, especially Young women now who have so much pressure to be the best, to look the best, just believe in yourself. Self-belief is the greatest quality you can have. And once you can do that, and that isn't confidence and it isn't bravado, it is self-belief. It is being comfortable in your own shoes with your own beautiful children. Jane what was it like for you that,
1: That's so well said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But what was it like for you I mean you know you it's had for your for a... me Yeah I always believe that I need to work I need to continue working and I don't I didn't accept the idea that I should quit although it has been suggested by my my parents and by my husband as well but I enjoyed my work at the time and I always know that i probably be better off if I continue working because I, I like to be independent financially. It's very important for me. But when you are holding down a, a full-time job, like what I did, I was a, uh, English, an English, international news translator and editor at TTV, at a TV company. So it was a lot of pressure, a lot of work, and it kept me very busy during the, the working hours. And so when I have my second child, that's my daughter, that's back more than 30 years ago, um, there was no law protecting pregnant women and working moms. And so I was very pregnant, and my boss told me that you need to take the morning shift, which was from 4 a.m. to noontime. That's awful. Be- because it was my turn. He said everybody took turns to do that, and so you are no exception. And I thought... Wow. I couldn't work morning shift like that when I was pregnant. And so I told him so. And he said, well, in that case, you can transfer to another department. Okay. That was before the Labor Standards Act had specific uh, articles protecting women. So there, there's no way that I can argue my way out. And so my boss reaction made my husband very angry. And so he, he came to my company and talked to my boss's boss. And he said that um, I think I admire my husband for doing that because 30 years ago, you don't do that. You want to be, you know, more obedient in in the workplace. So anyway, he talks to to my boss's boss on my behalf. And so the issue was settled. But still, so after my uh, maternity leave, I still had to take the morning shift. Was there anything like that that happened? Probably not now, because nowadays we have laws protecting uh, women who, who during pregnancy and during breastfeeding period of time, but not then. Uh, I still had to work the morning shifts, but now the Labor Standards Act specifically says that women during their pregnancy or um the breastfeeding time, you could not ask them to work from ten p.m. to six a.m. Was there are there any
2: legal protections like that in the UK that um, help? Young mothers. There are now, <laughs> but like Jane, n- not when I was young. But as a barrister, I was self-employed anyway. The law now is very sim- uh, similar. It is just uh, unacceptable to discriminate against a woman uh, by reason of pregnancy. Uh, there are very good. Uh, There's very good provision for employers having to give substantial paid maternity leave. All of those matters are very, very similar in the UK. Whether those laws are always successfully enforced is another question. Exactly. If,
1: if like my employer told me that don't quote the laws to me, because uh, I, I, I didn't care about those laws. And he said, if you are working under my supervision, you do what i told you to do and
2: also so you, you th- that is one aspect of it uh, an employer who will not recognize the laws and knows that actually most people with children if you're a woman with a child you know, taking the time to enforce your rights is something that is unlikely to happen and what is required is peer pressure not just from women but from men right and that that is the way it must be mm-hmm. But as well as those very basic rights, there is still a perception and a reality that women will find it more difficult to achieve advancement on merit. Because there is a prejudice against them, and and that is very sad. But I believe it is still true.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's important to raise the awareness of the entire society and also men's awareness of how difficult it is to juggle between the your work and your all your household responsibilities.
2: I think in the UK, men are more receptive to the idea that they will share caring responsibilities much more. It's much more common to find that if there is a situation where a parent has to be at home, then there is a discussion. Will it be the man? Will it be the woman? Okay, Not always, but... But this is
0: where I was going to come to. It's like, you know, because you're balancing work and you're balancing the demands of a first child, how do you cope with that fatigue? What was that like for both of you?
1: I relied on my my mother-in-law. Was that a good (laughs) thing or a bad thing? (laughs) I relied on my mother-in-law and also a nanny, a daytime nanny. And so it wasn't that hard, but it's just uh, I think it's a psychological thing that you feel guilty and you feel sorry that you couldn't be with your ch- children for as much as you
2: like. I agree entirely. We we also had a daytime nanny, uh, and my mother helped out when she could. For example, if if the nanny had to leave and I couldn't get home, she'd collect them. And then, as I advanced to four children, there was a network of parents, mothers and fathers, who would help each other. So, so that was very good. But yes, you never... It's partly guilt and it's partly I just missed them. I would be getting onto a train or a bus to attend a court somewhere and there'd be a mother with a small child or a stroller and you'd think, I wonder what my baby is doing Mm. now. Mm. So it is very hard, but I don't regret working. Like Jane, I love my work and I have been very, very fortunate because I have always been supported to continue. But, But when I reached the age of 39 and had four small children and the eldest was starting secondary school in England, it became more difficult to do that juggling. And so I became a judge because I could regulate my hours better. Mm. Uh, And I did.
0: That's very ironic because I would have thought that the workload
2: would have increased as a judge, right? Well, the workload is very, very different. And within a couple of years, I was also able to take advantage. I, I specialize in property law, housing, um, housing conditions, landlord and tenant relationships. And I joined a tribunal which specializes in property law. And within about two years, I became the boss. So, <laughs> so
1: that makes it even easier for you right. to adjust your timetable. That's right. And I'm still
2: doing that job. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I said to myself, I committed myself to working from nine o'clock to five o'clock, with some exceptions, because I could... And I focus really hard, and that is when I do my work. Okay, I've got a question. We talked about this before, Jane.
0: How do you deal with the fatigue of, you know, you have to commit to work. You have to commit to maybe five, six, seven. No matter how long that work is, it's going to be very intense, right? How do you commit to that work and then come home and then have to deal with small children? I remember speaking I was on one of my interviews from a long time ago, the, um, there was a diplomat that I spoke to who was asking me about being a single mother. And she had said, negotiating two fighting children is more difficult than negotiating a trade agreement or peace treaty between two countries. <laughs> I'm throwing that in the middle here. And I'm going to ask you both what your thoughts on that.
1: I, rem- I always remember, and also my children remember me being very angry all the time. <laughs> when i came home from a, a high str- a stressful job and so i only had nine time to be with them and i often had these angry outbursts and so it, it's it's really hard it's really hard when you have a when you have a um a, a pressured job and then to to deal with your small children and also a uh, a husband who's also working full time at the time. So I didn't have good strategies. And so when I look back at those years, I was only happy that I got out of it sort of like successfully because I don't see any scars, psychological
2: scars
1: (laughs) on my children. But they, both of them were reluctant to enter marriage and and parenthood. It's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help but but, but think that probably it's because I had so much emotional outburst when when they were little and so that, that have left some
2: influence on them. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <none>. <laughs> Thank I, you for saying that. I don't think so. I don't think so. um, I don't think I tended so when you say you know how did you deal with fatigue in when I was about the uh, thirty seven thirty eight and I had four children demanding children, I can't remember. It's not use of asking me because I can't remember I'm too busy mm-hmm. to remember, but once I got things straightened out, I don't think I was um too bad tempered. But I have four very eccentric children.
1: (laughs) In in the same
2: way you you mentioned, have you given them emotional scars? Well, perhaps I have. I think they are who they were going to be. They came from a very loving family. Well, they come from a loving family. Mm. And we had fun... But they are really eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word. It, it
1: covers so many sins. Oh, oh. <laughs> so probably children would still grow up to be the way they,
2: their DNA... I, yeah. As long as they are nurtured, and I go back right to what I said at the beginning, they will be happier if you were happy. Right. And even if you're cross, they know fundamentally that you love them and you give them security and that is what is important.
1: And you know, there, there was research, there were studies saying that uh, children, children who had uh, working moms and, and, of course, working fathers, they would grow up to be more confident and they would have more aspirations to their own careers they would they because they have role models they see that okay my both of my parents have worked hard and they have provided well for us and so they realize that they have to to work hard and also to to follow their dreams and to pursue their own careers more you know, more willingly. So I think probably that's a good thing, too,
2: eventually. I, I, I agree. My own mother, my, my father died when I was 12, and she was left with four children. So she was a single mother with four children. And But she had worked before then, and she always worked, and she was, and still is, a role model. Because I would say to myself, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Never occurred to me, not because... Of any reason except self-fulfillment, it's, it's what you were saying earlier, Jane, it's, it's, it's important, it's part of me mm-hmm. to work. It, is, it makes me a, a more fun person, I think, because we, have, <laughs> we really do have fun at work. It's a very serious job, but we work as a team, and I think right. a family is a team and work is a team. I think you have to look at the positive aspects. It's very, very difficult if you have a difficult child.
0: That was Siobhan McGrath, president of the Property Chamber in Great Britain. Okay, what did you enjoy most about that conversation?
1: Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a, a great deal because I didn't get too many opportunities to to just look back and think of what I have experienced and, and talk about my, my worries and my complaints. And so just by looking back, I am hoping that I can draw some lessons from it and feel more comfortable with what I have experienced.
0: Well, I think for me, it it didn't really matter how old um, you were, what our ages were, our cultural backgrounds were, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think women all face the same difficulties, right? It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you were a first lady of the United States or if you're a lowly journalist working (laughs) in Taiwan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, actually, it's better because we have better laws in place now that offers more protection. To, to women working mom and um, they have rules about not to have women work like night shifts and when you are pregnant or when you are breastfeeding. I think that's, that's much better than before.
0: And on that note, we're going to end our first episode of Sweet and Sour here. We hope you enjoyed that and you took something away from our conversation. If this episode triggered thoughts and insights, or if you're interested in hearing us talk about other things we'd like to hear from you, drop us a line at news at icrt.com.tw with sweet and sour in the subject line. Until next time, Bye -bye. Bye bye!